bit of bad news for everybody. No. We're all going to die someday. Oh. <laughs> that seems to be a recurring theme if you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes is that life is kind of futile because we all face that same end. We all face death, at least physically. Um, of course, as we go into the Gospels, we learn that we don't have to face spiritual death because of Jesus Christ. And that's the blessing of it all. But in our despair, where we face death, we forget to live. And that seems to be a human theme throughout the world, is that we are so concerned with death that we forget to live. And the author of Ecclesiastes is most often considered to be Solomon, although it's not entirely clear if that's who it is or not. The author only ever refers to himself as the teacher. Um, he never actually says that it is Solomon, but most scholars agree that it probably is. So I'll refer to it as Solomon as I go along. But we cannot forget to live. Um, and I think as a church as a whole throughout the world, we have done that quite a bit because we're so busy focusing on other things, whether it's judging the people around us or concerning ourselves with politics or worrying about that. We forget to live. And as Christians, we have every excuse to live, every excuse to rejoice and to enjoy life. And we forget about that. And we do hear some preachers talk about it, but they talk about it in such a way that seems demeaning to the gospel. And they, they tend to whitewash the gospel when they talk about it. And I don't want to do that, but I do want to point out that we shouldn't be a sorrowful bunch. We shouldn't be a bunch that are reserved to ourselves and quiet and judgmental and harsh to the world around us. We should be a bunch that enjoys life and celebrates with the people around us so that they can see the light of Christ in us and understand that we have real joy. We have a real reason to celebrate because our Savior is risen and does exist and has saved us from eternal death. That while this physical body may die and may lay hollow in the ground, our spirit will live on forever in heaven because of Christ Jesus. And so when we turn to Ecclesiastes, I'm only going to read a little bit here to start. I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 9 and we're going to go through verse 6 to start with. It says, Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hand. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one faith for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is, good, as, as it is for the good, so also it is for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. But there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. 
For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their envy have already disappeared, and there is no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. You see, Solomon is telling us that we're all going to die. We're all facing that same end here in this life. And we all know it, so why are we so concerned about it? Part of it is because we don't know when it will happen. But if we live in Jesus Christ and we have Jesus in our hearts, then we know that it doesn't matter when it happens because that's just a transferring from this life to the next. Where Jesus himself tells us that if we live without him, we will suffer eternal death where we die constantly every day for eternity. That's the death that I would be worried about. But I don't have to because I know I have faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray that everybody who hears this message also has that faith. And if they don't, they turn to that faith. And that's the ultimate goal of anybody delivering the gospel is that they pray that everybody turns to that faith in Jesus Christ so that they can enjoy eternal life also. But that don't mean that while we're here, we shouldn't live. See, Solomon tells us in here that we're all facing that same thing. But he also tells us there's hope for whoever is joined with all the living, beginning in verse 4. Since a live dog is better than a dead lion, he says, take advantage of your life now. Because once you're dead, you don't have the choice anymore. Judgment has been faced at that point. But the dead, he says, for the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. See, we kind of see that reflected in the Gospels also. And Jesus says that those who are dead in the spirit don't even realize the sins they're committing but those who are alive in the spirit who accept Jesus we see that in the gospels and the writings of Paul and Peter and all the other epistles is that when you're alive in the spirit when you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life you become alive and you can see the sin that you commit so that you're able to repent it's when you allow that spirit to enter into your life and you listen to the voice of Jesus Christ you're able to repent even for that first time. Because something has opened your eyes and opened your mind to the possibility that what you're doing is not right. You become alive when you accept Jesus Christ and become aware of what's going on around you. And then Solomon also writes, that their love, their hate, their envy have already disappeared and there's no longer a portion for them and all that is done under the sun. He's saying that those who are dead and remain dead in their trespasses, if we translate this into the Gospels, those who stay in those positions, they remain hopeless. They don't get to share in the hope of the living. See, that's the only true separation there is is dead and alive. And while Solomon may have been writing initially about the physical body and the life we live here on this earth, the entire book of Ecclesiastes is about service to God. And so we can look at it with the interpretation of the spiritual life. And the best way to become alive is to let Jesus into your heart.
the Romans 12, 9 through 18, we'll go ahead and jump to Romans there, it tells us how to live. Because the only way to live, Jesus tells us, is that we have to love. Is that when we accept him, we learn to love. And when we learn to love, we learn who God is and what God's intentions are for the mankind. And Paul writes about it in Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. He says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. See, he says it's a competition. The whole world's talking about fair play. Paul says it's a competition. Let's outdo one another. Let's see who can honor each other better. So do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. He tells us to not let up. To be sincere in our heart and our mind when we serve the Lord. Make sure it has meaning. It says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. This is where it gets hard. All that before there was kind of easy. This is where it gets hard. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's the opposite of what the world tells us. Rejoice those with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. That's really hard. <laughs> but he's talking about the church. We're so busy fighting amongst ourselves that we forget to live and to love. We have got to be in agreement with one another. He tells us how. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. See, Paul lays it out how to live in love. And sometimes that's going to be really easy. Things like, okay, I can do something that serves the church or serves God, and and I, I, I can show my love that way. Okay, I can show family affection to the people around me who I like. Then he says, people who are persecuting you too. Oh, that's hard. That person just cussed me. I'm supposed to show them affection. I'm so supposed to bless that person. I want to cuss them back. <laughs> no. Not if you're in God's love. I think that's one of the reasons that the old southern phrase probably come about being bless your heart. We've turned it to sarcasm. But I think that's probably where it come about is, you know, we're we're called the Bible Belt for a reason here in the South. That's where that phrase probably come from. It's the only reaction you could have when somebody makes you mad. Bless your heart.
but God means it. Bless them. And that's the hard part. But then we turn back to Ecclesiastes real quick to finish up the 7 through 9. Where Solomon turns the switch on us. He's talked about death and the hopelessness of it and what little bit of hope there is for those who are alive. And he tells us how to live. It's the only way I think Solomon probably knew how to live. Considering if you read his stories, you see his lifestyle. But we can take it to heart also. Starting in verse 7, he says, Go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart for God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time and never let oil be lacking on your head. That kind of sounds like Psalms 23 right there, don't it? That's what it's about. It's present yourself holy and accept the blessings from God. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days. That sentence right there, guys, means love your wife. Love the wife that you're with. And that means women, love your spouse, love your husband. That's what he's saying is to enjoy the time you have with your spouse. Take time to make that matter. For that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. Whether you, Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength because there is no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. The Sheol here just reference the grave. It's not saying there's no afterlife, no eternity. The Jewish culture believed immensely in paradise. They believe immensely in heaven. They believe those places exist. The same that we do today. What he's saying is when your body's laid in the grave, it's not going to be concerned with planning or anything like that. So live your life day to day. Um, the world would like to take these kind of verses and turn it into eat, drink, and be merry in such a way that no rules apply. But like I said, the book of Ecclesiastes is about obedience to God. Because we all face the same fate of death, we should live our life in obedience to God. He's saying, do it joyfully. Take time to fellowship. Enjoy meals together. Kind of like when Jesus said, don't worry about anything. He's saying the same thing, just, just take the time to do it. Enjoy a drink with a friend or... Go out, have fun with your friends, but do it in a way that serves God. Take time to spend with your family, your friends, your fellowship at church. We have get-togethers, homecomings, meals, functions. Enjoy those things. Take advantage of them. It's not just eat, drink, and be merry, but it's have fun and rejoice in Christ. Because that's what he's called us to do in this life. And in doing that, we can show love and affection to the world around us. And say, what have they got going on? And we kind of see in that verse 10, it says, whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength. He's saying, give it your all. Whatever you're doing, if you're working, if 
you're spending time with each other, whatever you're doing, give it your all. And we see the reflection of that in Colossians 3, uh, verses 23 and 24. It says, Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. It's something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. See, Paul was writing and he's saying, give it your all. Whatever you're doing. If you're at your regular day-to-day job, work at it with everything you got as if you're working for God, not for men, because ultimately you are. And when the people around you see you working as hard as you possibly can and you still got a smile on your face and they want to know what's up, you can say, I got Jesus in my heart. Boss man may have yelled at us this morning, but I ain't worried about it. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to enjoy it. I used to be that way with the work job I have. And everybody points out now, man, you used to smile all the time. I got promoted and I kind of let it go to me. I wanted to, wanted to be good at it and I mess up here or there or things get frustrating and I let it get to me. I've got to get back to this. I'm not perfect either. I've got to get back to this. To doing my job now as if I'm serving the Lord because I am. doesn't matter who signs the paycheck. I'm serving the Lord. I've got to get that in my mindset and I can start enjoying what I do. And surprisingly, I found that out to myself Friday night when everything seemed to fall apart. Like Carissa said, I didn't get home till after 5 in the morning Saturday because Friday night I had some key players on my team leave and I had to get on the floor and work. And I had to pull players from other departments to work and take their place to get the job done. Surprisingly, I had a good time working. I felt it. I was sore and I was tired. But me and my boss were laughing the whole night. Because I finally, I just accepted it is what it is. I've got a job to do and I'm going to smile and do it and I'm going to do it like I'm serving God. And that's a hard thing to do. That's what we got to do. And when we do that, we find that we can live life to the fullest. Because in any situation we find ourselves, we discover that we have no reason to be sorrowful. See, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what's good. Stay away from every kind of evil. That's how you serve the Lord. That's how you live life to serve the Lord. And it starts with rejoicing always. 
Rejoice isn't just singing. The literal trans the, the literal meaning of the words rejoice translated from in both Greek and Hebrew means to spin around in a manner which is pleasing to God. It sounds like dancing to me. And we hear so many churches say, you can't dance. The Bible says dance. Sing. Praise. The Bible says eat, drink, and love your spouse. The Bible says to live. So Y'all, let's start living. Let's stop being sorrowful and mean and judgmental because the Bible tells us not to do those things. It tells us there's a time to weep. Let's take the time to weep when we're supposed to. But let's not let it carry on through the rest of our life because there's also a time to live. Let's learn to live and learn to love like Christ did. Christ's first miracle was at a wedding party. And if you've ever looked up what a Jewish wedding party looked like, everybody was drunk. <laughs> and that sounds bad, but they were having a good time. Three cisterns of wine is what Christ made out of water. Those are huge vessels. I don't know how many people was at that party. But that's a lot of wine. He said, have a good time and enjoy the moment. He also told his disciples, don't drink unto drunkenness. So he's saying, don't overdo it. Don't go to the point of sin. But have a good time. And take time to enjoy those moments. And I think he meant that. And we forget to do that because we're so concerned with pointing the finger at each other especially inside the church. We point the finger at each other so much. From one church to the other. My denomination is better than your denomination. Y'all, we're all the church. Take time to fellowship and enjoy each other and live life. Lord God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word and to read your blessings allow your spirit to pour over us so that we can feel your blessing and your presence, Lord, so that we can share that blessing with others, and that we can rejoice in your presence with others around us, Lord. Allow us to learn to love one another and to be cheerful and joyful around each other, and that in every moment, no matter how bad it may seem, we can have the promise of your salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord and so that we can give in to your spirit and find a reason to rejoice that no matter what takes place on this earth, we know we have eternity in heaven because we have come from the death of sin into the life of Christ. And because we are in that life, we can see glory and we can recognize your blessings around us so that we can enjoy life and we can learn to live and love like you. I ask that you put your blessing on each and every heart and mind who hears this message. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.